0: Good morning, New Life. My name is Sharon Swift. I'm the pastor of Connections and Equipping here at New Life and uh, so glad to be with you here today. So excited to continue this series uh, on the promises of God. Um, Last week, Pastor Rich kicked us off on this series and was starting to talk about these promises, these commitments that God has made to us out of his love. And uh, Pastor Rich kind of frame this series for us saying that we can't be sloppy in in reading these promises and and uh, we want to be precise we want to know the context and the content of these promises so that when we integrate them into our lives when we start to live them out when we want to hold on to them tightly in a world of uncertainty and transition uh, we're doing it in the right way and knowing that God is with us and so we want to continue to explore um, these promises to know which ones are conditional or covenantal meaning that there's something there's some obligation on our side and which ones are are open-ended that God gives freely uh, without any obligation on our side and so throughout these um, these next couple of weeks as we continue to explore um, we're going to be talking about these promises more and more deeply and today I want to um, talk to you about the promise of God's presence the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. His presence goes with you. And what better way to dive into God's presence than to look at a a section of Scripture that is so familiar. It's one of the most famous passages of Scripture that's captivated people for millennia. uh, Psalm 23, which we just uh, sang, a song based on this psalm. Um, And so I want to read this for you today before we dive in. Psalm 23, I'm going to read it in its entirety. Hear God's word. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his namesake. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Let's take a moment to pray. Lord, thank you for your word that you have preserved it these thousands of years for us today, that it still speaks, even though the world has changed so much. You have so much to say to us through your word, even still. Spirit, speak to us today. Transform us. Encourage us. Shape us. Strengthen us. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. The Lord is with us. And when you hear this, you know, it might sound trite, like something you could just dismiss, like, yeah, I know God's everywhere, he's all around, so of course he's with me. His presence is just everywhere. So what is, what is so powerful about presence? Because it's more than that. He is omnipresent. But when the psalmist writes these words, he's taking us a lot further than just God is everywhere. He's saying so much more. When, when presence is done right, it's incredibly powerful presence is a lot more than just being physically close being present it's about being present mentally and emotionally let me say that again presence is about more than being physically close it's about being present mentally and emotionally even in our daily lives we feel this distinction don't we We might be in a conversation with someone and they're looking at their phone in between and at their watch and we know they're not really 100% present with us. They're distracted. Or maybe it's not just our devices that have done this to us. Maybe this is just who we are. Our overscheduling can do this to us. Our busyness of our daily lives. The other day, um, we took our daughters to the orthodontist. This is now our you know monthly pilgrimage um, to get their braces adjusted and uh, in particular, there's this one um, receptionist that's there that seems completely disinterested in our existence when we're there. Um, She's supposed to, you know, take our payment um, and she's supposed to schedule our next appointment, but I honestly get the impression uh, most of the time that she wishes we would just kind of walk in, go see the doctor, and walk out and not say anything to her. Um, And yet, I'm sure she's consumed by tasks of work, like she's trying to take care of billing and scheduling and all this stuff, answering phones, but we're actually there present for her to take care of and she seems completely distracted by her tasks or maybe she's already trying to think of how can i finish what i need to do so i can go on to the next thing she's not really there she's physically close to us she's proximate she's in the room with us but she's not mentally or emotionally connected to us she she's indifferent to our presence that is not how god's presence goes he is not just um, physically around us, but half-hearted or distant or distracted by something else. He's not doing something better or more important when we come to him. He's not bothered by our existence, by our needs. God's, when God says he's present with us and his presence goes with us, that he is with us, it means that we can turn to him all the time in prayer, in silence, in worship, and he is a hundred percent available, a hundred percent locked in with us. But it goes further than that, right? Presence means that we will also have the security of one another, right? It means, presence means that we won't face the future and the uncertainties that go with that alone. It means that support is within reach of us. As human beings, from our earliest ages, we feel this, don't we? Whether we're separated from a parent and we feel insecure and unsafe, or whether we go to school and we suddenly find we've gotta find a clique and find a group that we fit in with, because we know there's security in presence. And we know that being with others means we're less vulnerable, and we won't have to figure it out alone. It calms our anxieties and our fears. It gives us peace that at least we're in it together. Being in the presence of others makes those sweet moments even sweeter because we get to celebrate them with others. And it makes those bitter moments easier to handle because it means that we don't have to comfort ourselves, that there are others with us who will comfort us and support us. Presence is important, it is critical. This came really to life for me in college because there was a time when the local hospital needed some volunteer chaplains. And there were a few of us uh, who volunteered, who did some training, to do just some very light chaplaincy work. And initially, when we started this work, we were timid, we shied away from difficult moments. We kind of tried to go to maybe the labor and delivery ward where there were happy people greeting a baby. But the real need was in spaces like the floor where cancer treatments were happening and where people were dying. And I found that I had this capacity to be with those who were suffering and who were dying. And I encountered, the first patient I encountered like this was incredibly challenging. I went to her room and she was struggling and she, she kept saying she needed help, she needed help. And so I thought, okay, I'll go let the nurses know that she needs help. So I went to the nurse's station, but they said, you know, she, she's dying, we've done all the interventions we can do and she's just scared. This is, there's nothing else that anyone can do for her. And so I went back to her room thinking, oh my gosh, like I have nothing to offer this woman. I can't do anything. I felt so useless and, and feeble. But as I walked back to her room, I did the one thing I could do, which was just be with her. I held her hand, and I helped her to know that there was someone there with her who saw her, who saw that she was afraid. And just by being with her, it calmed her down, and it gave her strength. It was enough. Presence is powerful i also see this when i'm pastoring people who are grieving you know our, our culture is so oriented around doing and and uh, activity and when someone first loses someone we, we're there with meals and we're sending a uh, grub and whatever we need to do to be physically present on the day of the funeral but so much of the time when that activity dies down the people fade away and those who are grieving are simply looking for presence. They're looking for people to be with them so that they don't have to face this transition alone. In fact, that's why, just a little plug, we're offering a class starting next week about companions and grief. How do we walk with people? Because this type of presence is so rare in our world. And the world needs more of it. People of presence. That's the thing. In a world of perpetual action and doing, simply being present with someone is profoundly powerful and underrated. And so we see why presence is powerful, but why is God's presence unique? Why is it different than the presence we get from our friends and from our family? What makes that so special? What makes this promise powerful? There's so many layers to God's presence, but the psalmist here points out two metaphors that help us to understand the power and the complexity of what God is offering us in his presence. And the first one is the most obvious one. It's the one that we all go to. It's God as our shepherd. These first four verses very clearly show that God is the shepherd and we are the sheep. And there's, it's filled with this imag- imagery of God guiding, of God leading, of God feeding and finding water and caring for these sheep. So much concern is being given to the well-being of these sheep. They're not, he's not just looking for them to be alive. He's looking for them to thrive and to be well and safe. And so when we get to verse 4, we see the, the depth of this care. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The sheep feel safe, even though they're walking through a valley, even though their view is obscured, even though they're vulnerable to attack and to death. They feel safe because of the shepherd. And in particular, the psalmist notes the, the rod and the staff. And now the rod would be a defensive sort of um, uh, weapon in case they encounter a predator and they're trying to fight that predator off or keep them back. You know, they'll have that rod. But I want to focus on the shepherd's crook, because this is something that actually shepherds still use today. It's, um, it's long, it's like a long staff, but it has this curved end, on one end. And so it's kind of like hooked so that the shepherd can grab the sheep and maybe stop them from moving forward and hold them in place or maybe redirect them. It's kind of like an extension of the shepherd's arm. You know, if the shepherd is wandering, if the sheep is wandering a little this way or that, he can extend the the rod and kind of bring them back um, from wandering off but also to hold them in place and sometimes if they get stuck in a place if they can't they get wedged somewhere <laughs> and they fall over he can use that crook to kind of right them up and even reach some place where he can't reach and pull them back up to safety and so he can unsnag them if they get caught and so the sheep take comfort not just knowing the shepherd is there that he's kind of physically present in the area, but that he's ready, that he's watching, that he is prepared for whatever comes. That's what that rod and that staff comfort them. He's ready, the shepherd is ready for whatever they're gonna encounter as they travel. And so they won't hope that the shepherd just hears them if they're in distress. He knows that the shepherd's presence is engaged, not distracted. The shepherd is active, watching, guarding, keeping, leading, feeding the sheep. This is not disengaged. The shepherd's whole focus is on these sheep to make sure they get from point A to point B safely and that the sheep are in good condition when they get there. Now, the sheep can't do this on their own. They're not capable of doing this on their own. Why, you may ask? Well, I recently encountered a video on Twitter that I want to show you because in about 15 seconds, this little clip will say and communicate way more than I could in 15 seconds. So let's take a look at this shepherd freeing a sheep from a ditch. Okay, here we go. Now here we go. doesn't it? Oh my gosh, I watched this video so many times, you guys have no idea. (laughs) It never gets old, I promise you. Um, now, for those of you who might be visually impaired or listening to this on a podcast, um, it's a sheep stuck in a ditch and the shepherd boy or the young man is pulling the sheep out by his leg. And then uh, the sheep gleefully, and this is, this is what does it for me, the, the gleeful bouncing away is what does it for me every time. Only to find three seconds later, he is back in the ditch. Um, as joyfully as he leaps away, he is immediately stuck in the same circumstance. Uh, now, I got to tell you, do you identify with a sheep? Because I do. <laughs> I have no shame in admitting that I am this sheep many, many times. Um, <laughs> and maybe you are, too. I know it's funny and it's hilarious. And trust me, I've seen it so many times and it's still funny. But... Can you see moments in your life or even seasons of your life where you were literally doing this over and over, gleefully thinking you're free, you've conquered this thing, and you're back in the same ditch? See, even though the sheep have each other and they can rely on each other, they need the shepherd. They need someone who's completely different than them, with completely different abilities, with completely different strengths and perspective to keep them safe, to keep them on course, to keep them from harm. They can't do that on their own. This sheep, no matter how many times he falls in the same ditch, will never be able to get himself out of it. And he probably won't be able to avoid falling in it again, as we can see. That's the the reason we need a shepherd. And David, who this psalm is attributed to, was a king. And and a shepherd he was a shepherd before he became a king and then he became a king as he's putting this in Israel's songbook he identifies with the sheep in spite of how much power and control he has and authority he has he sees himself as this sheep and God as his shepherd because he sees that he constantly needs God just like the sheep constantly needs God and God is that good shepherd the Lord is that perfect shepherd always watching never tires to come to us when we're in need, never gets bored of walking alongside us and making sure we're safe. Can you use that kind of care today? Can you use that kind of presence today? Because that is what God is offering us when he promises his presence. Now, it might seem a little unflattering if uh, to compare yourself. If God only gave us that image of us being sheep um, we might feel a little uh, uncomfortable or a little bit down about ourselves because it's like it's not a very optimistic picture of <laughs> um, that sheep leaping and getting stuck over and over. But that's not the only image the psalmist gives us because if we saw that we might think why does God bother with us? But we see in verse five and six that there's a shift here in the language And we see that oftentimes this idea is overlooked because the the shepherd imagery is so strong. But we actually see here that God is presented as a host and that we are his guest. And we see that because we see the language of a table, of oil, of a cup. This is not an image of a shepherd and sheep, but of a host and a guest. And again, we overlook this. But it, because of the shepherd imagery is so clear to us even in the new testament but this host and guest imagery is also picked up various times in the bible and it's and by jesus this is a different kind of metaphor that has roots in an ancient culture uh, of the nomadic people that existed in this desert land in the middle east the kind of people that abraham came from before he was settled in the promised land and so i just want to take a moment to explain what it was like to be a host in the ancient Middle East. In those ancient times um, where people were nomadic, and by the way, the Bedouins still live this way today, um, the desert can be such a dangerous place. As you're traveling um, from one place to another, there's this long-standing ethic of showing extreme hospitality to strangers because everyone is vulnerable as they travel. Everyone is vulnerable as they go because the conditions can be harsh in the desert, extreme heat, um, wind, water, and food can be hard to find. And and you're also vulnerable if you're isolated away from people of being robbed or experiencing violence. And so there's this deep cultural value of hospitality because everyone in a nomadic society in a dangerous place needs hospitality at some point. And so they also offer hospitality freely. And so it would be shameful to not offer that kind of support because you would know you too need to receive it. This still exists today. I knew a woman who worked in the Middle East for a time. She came from the US, and she was working in one of the countries there in the Middle East. And she knew that this culture, this was a cultural value. And one time when she was walking from her workplace, I think she was going home, and she realized a man was following her and she was alone and she began to feel unsafe and uncomfortable and even though she kept trying to switch up where she was going this man kept following and so she remembered this ethic of hospitality and she actually walked by a gate and saw a man just inside and she knocked at the gate and the man actually opened the door and let her in because of this ethic of hospitality he knew that she must be seeking shelter refuge safety for some reason. And so he opened the door, let her in, and then he stood at the gate and he watched. He wanted to know what it was that she needed refuge from. And he saw the man and he stared him down. And the man realized that he had been seen, that this man was not going to let his guest be hurt. And so the man went away. And this gentleman kept her there for a while to be sure that this man wasn't going to just come back, that she was truly safe continuing on her way. This is the kind of ethic that this host and guest uh, is experiencing. This still exists today. And you'll find this throughout the Bible, actually, as you read. It can seem um, extreme to us in a Western context. Uh, because it affects the way people make decisions and what they prioritize to, to be so self-sacrificing to even put yourself in harm's way for a guest. Some of you new lifers who have immigrated from other places or even if you're second gen, you know that your own culture may have strong uh, um, value for hospitality and rules around it, that it's not just a throwaway thing. And so we see this in, this in this imagery in verses 5 and verses 6. We even see this with that image of the oil, the anointing oil, being um, poured out on this guest. This is a sign of protection and care and healing. The oil would have been uh, poured on the hands of the, of the host and warmed up and then maybe put on the neck of the uh, person arriving or put on them where their skin might be chapped from the sun or the wind. It's restorative. It's refreshing. It's healing his skin. And the point is that it leaves the person, the the guest, in better condition than the way they came. This is not just about providing some basic um, needs uh, of food or shelter. This is refreshing. And restorative and healing so that when you leave to continue your journey you're leaving it strengthened healed better than the way you came in this is what that image of oil uh, presents to us so that when you go back into the harsh world you're ready to take it on and for their trouble as a host there's an exchange of joy there's an exchange of fellowship both the host and the guest are enriched by this encounter. And they both get to share in the joy and the honor of each other's company. And so when the Lord is offering himself to you as this kind of host, it's a powerful image. If this is what humans are capable of, what kind of host would God be? This is a rich Image that God doesn't just tolerate us in his presence. He doesn't just exhaust himself pulling us out of ditches only for us to fall in again. It's that he welcomes us, that he savors our presence with him, that he enjoys our company, and that he wants us to feel safe, welcomed, restored, refreshed, healed, strengthened in his presence. That he delights in taking care of us and being with us just for the sake of our company. Do you believe that about God, that he feels that way about you? That his presence is not just about your basic needs being met, but for you to go forward in a way that's better than when you first encountered him. That when the journey for you is hard and lonely and the world is harsh maybe especially when the journey is lonely and hard and the world is harsh, that God is beckoning for you to come in and be restored and be refreshed and be renewed to receive strength to continue this journey. You may have been wandering for a long time some of you have been away for a long time maybe you've never been a guest in God's house before now maybe you've been looking and wandering and looking for refuge somewhere a safe place somewhere that's a break from being tired and weary maybe you have been in God's presence and a guest in God's house before but it's been a while you've forgotten what's available to you there You've been so tired doing it alone, and here is God today saying to you, come, I don't care how long you've been away. I don't care how long you've been wandering in the desert. Come, be my guest. Let me take care of you. Let me put oil on you and heal you and restore you and renew you. Let me fill your cup to overflowing Let me give you rest before you have to go back out into that harsh world again. He's saying, come. That's not just a one-time offer. He's willing to offer this protection and care even when it costs him. And it did cost him, didn't it? It cost Jesus dearly. Let's look at actually that verse in verse 6, that word dwell and we'll talk about just how much it costs Jesus, because that word "dwell." some scholars uh, would suggest that it might be better translated as return or come back. And so this idea of I shall come back or I shall return to the house of the Lord my whole life long, that might be a better translation of that verb. And it makes sense because at this time when David is writing, there is no, um, there's only a, a tabernacle or, or a, eventually a temple where you go literally into God's house to be refreshed by his presence, to encounter his presence. And so he may be thinking about that, but Jesus changed that all, didn't he? It's not just about going into the temple. All throughout the Bible, God has been seeking and desires to be with us. From the garden where he was directly with the man and the woman until that partnership was broken by humans. And then ever since then, he's still looking all throughout the story of scripture to reconnect with us, to be with us, to find ways to dwell among us. Whether it was the pillar of smoke by day and the pillar of fire by night, whether it's in the the tabernacle and then eventually the temple, whether it's in the still small voice, but ultimately culminating in Jesus. Jesus the physical presence of God, the incarnation, comes to earth, fully God, fully man. And because of the sacrifice he makes on the cross, he makes the Holy Spirit available to us to permanently lead and guide us, to to show us the way just as a shepherd would, and to heal and restore us and strengthen us and renew us for the journey just as the host would. That same God is pursuing you now, whether you're wandering in the desert today or whether you're looking for that place of respite, of refuge. He is offering that to you today. Some of you know my story, that um, my mother was murdered, that my father is incarcerated, that I had to go through the indignity of a trial. I was orphaned at 17 I have a story of pain and suffering, and it's a unique one. There's not very many people in the world that have experienced what I have, thank God. But I'm sure some of you have experienced those moments, as I did, where you felt alone, where you felt there was no one that understood your situation, that there was no one who totally gets it. There are things you can't even speak, and yet God knows them all. You might be surrounded by wonderful people as I did. I came to faith in that time and was surrounded by incredible people. But no matter how much they wanted to care for me, there were some things they could not give me. And there were times where I struggled to make it day to day and even hour to hour. And yet I knew I could turn to God's presence at any moment. That he was waiting for me. That he had things for me that no human could give me that he could restore me, he could refresh me, he could heal me, he could give me what I needed to make it another day or even to make it another hour sometimes. He understood I didn't even have to say the words. I just had to come as I was. I wouldn't have made it otherwise. I guarantee you a hundred percent I would not be here today, but for God's presence And so I want to ask you today, what do you need from God's presence today? The Lord is with you. What do you need from him today? He longs to give you what you need in his presence, and so much is available to us there. In this season of transition and constant change, after we've already been through 16 months of constant transition and change, what is it that you need from his presence today we might take for granted that his presence is available to us but let me remind you maybe you're experiencing pain from loss you're still grieving people that we've lost in this pandemic maybe you've still lost someone it seems like the world is starting to move on around us but there are still so many people suffering and dying around the world And maybe you need God's comfort and care. Maybe you're overwhelmed by the decisions that are ahead for you. It might be the big decisions like, what do I do about my job, my career, my family, about school? And it might be the small daily decisions. Do I wear a mask? Do I say yes to this invite? Do I go here? Do I resume this activity? These are decisions that you might need God's guidance and leading to find answers. There's endless sources of anxiety and stress, and maybe you're just not sure how to re-engage life as things start opening up. What is it that you need from God's presence today? Because whether you need, you're like that sheep that needs that guidance, that steering, that direction, that comfort, that protection, God is that shepherd who can give that to you in his presence. Or whether you are the guest who needs a place of refuge and refreshing, God wants to host you and welcome you in his presence where he has everything you need for the journey. The Lord is with you. He is always accessible to you. And he longs for you to turn again and again to his presence as many times as you need it. So won't you turn to him today? Won't you come to him and seek out what you need for this journey? Let's pray. Lord, how good you are to us. That we can come again and again to your house, that we can return time and time again and find what we need. That when we are out and about, You are still leading and guiding. Your voice is still speaking. You are still watching over us. There is nowhere we can go where we are away from your presence, God. And in your presence, we have all that we need. God, we ask today for each one that has a need, for each one who needs leading, who needs guidance, who needs protection, who needs refreshing and restoration and healing, God, I ask that your spirit would give it so graciously now. Be with us, God, as we're here and as we go. And be with us forevermore. Let us not take it for granted. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things.
1: Let's stand and sing this refrain together one more time, just declaring that God is with us. not alone
2: What a great reminder of this promise that we have a God who is with us, with each and every single one of us and aware of each of our names, our histories, our stories, what is ahead of us, what we have come through behind us, what we're in the midst of right now. You know, wherever season you're in, that sheep. that was a hilarious um, Twitter. You know, but how terrifying. And so some of you may be facing that right now, a, a moment or situation in your lives that is terrifying, where all you see is darkness, and all you see is that you're stuck and there's no way out. And in that moment, that sheep could not see the shepherd. And it's not always very obvious where the shepherd is, but he still promises he's with us. And that image is so fantastic. It's hilarious, but it's also just so powerful because God sees us when we can't see him. So wherever you are today, know that God sees you. I want to invite the prayer team to come to my left. And after service today, as we close out with the benediction, I invite you to come forward for prayer. If there's a need, if there's something you want to share, we are the church because we are a body. To follow Jesus is not an individual journey. We need one another. So what a wonderful opportunity to come forward and to receive prayer from another brother or sister. And for those of you who are watching online, I invite you to join our sermon discussion following this service. I'll be facilitating that time today, and I would love to see you to just talk more about what does this mean? How do we go deeper with experiencing and trusting and leaning into the promise that God is with us? And for some of you, God has been watching over you, knocking, nudging, and you've seen it along the way, but maybe today is a day that you want to say yes. God, I want you in my life. I want your presence. I'm tired of doing this by myself. I know you love me so much. You gave your only son for me, and today is the day. If I ask you today, I invite you to text yes to Jesus to the number on your screen and to the number right here. And at this time, as we close out our service, I invite you all to open your hands upwards to heaven in a posture of receiving. And we know that as believers, we can only give what we receive. As we abide in God, he fills us. And out of that, we can give life to others. So brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he turn his face towards you and give you peace in each and every circumstance that you're in may you walk out of this room knowing that the living God sees you when you can't see him. And he has a mighty arm that he is working on behalf of you and for the whole church. May the Lord bless you as you go forward in this Sunday. In Jesus' name, I bless you. Amen. Have a wonderful Sunday. Feel free. There'll be Pastor Sharon will be out by the lobby. Um, there's our prayer team as well.